It's the Tennessee Star Report with Michael Patrick Leahy. Call and be heard. 615-737-9522 or 1-800-688-9522. 800-688-WLAC. Now, here's Michael Patrick Leahy. 7.06 a.m. broadcasting live from our studios on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Joined in studio by the original all-star panelist, Crom Carmichael. Crom, at 7.15, Tommy Lawrence from Fox News joins us. She's always got great insights, always a lot of fun. Yes, she is. And uh, then at uh, 7.45, of course, you and I will have news potpourri. All the news that's interesting, doesn't merit a full segment, but might have a touch of irony. (laughs) (laughs) Of which uh, the world abounds today. I wanted to wrap up our discussion, Crom about the uh, first special session yes. to, to basically give $880 million to Ford and, and, and others uh, to build this electric uh, pickup plant in Haywood County. Um, my only point on this is uh, it, it's scheduled for three days. Mm-hmm. It's convening today. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be over Wednesday. I don't know if you can really get into all the details and understand them fully in three days. And so I, I, my guess is that the Tennessee General Assembly, the legislators, are going to feel like um, there's a huge political pressure to say yes, and they'll raise a few objections, but in the end, they'll go for what the governor's plan is. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think that I think it'll pass, and I hope it does. I mean, you and I dis- disagree on this. I, and, and the way I view it is, uh, it's, and I'm assuming there'll be strings attached. In other yeah. words, I... I'm assuming that the $500 million grant uh, achieves a $5.6 billion factory that, uh, that has 5,800 5, uh, high-paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then I like the idea. I think the roads would just benefit a lot more than just And the roads, by the way, we have uh, plenty of money to build roads. And so, you know, roads are needed. That I don't have a problem with the roads. Okay. But the 500 mil to uh Okay. It's to 500 Ford, million. The grant, yeah. yeah. The, the I have more do, questions the, on that. The school doesn't bother you. Uh, the school's good, too. Yeah. The yeah. school doesn't bother you. And then $100 million for demolition, I assume that, that's, that that means site work. Yeah, that would be. Now, that, that would be that site would, work. And to me, I'd say Ford ought to do that. Well, I mean, that's part of, well, they they. They're investing five point six billion. Well, why not five point seven? Okay, well, <laughs> that's where you and I diff- differ. Yeah. I mean, you, you're so you know, nice to Ford and those big a, companies. There's a, there's a deal to be struck. So you see, and you really, when you look at these things, you say, well, some other state will get it, and uh, so we got to yeah. compete with let, them. And let, I'd say, you know what? Let them let them take let, it. Let me let me give you the difference between perhaps the way that I view the world and the way that you view the world. You and I would agree. That, that that investing in Solyndra was a bad idea. Yeah. Because that was a venture capital investment by the federal government right. to politically connected people that didn't result in anything that was long lasting. It it was a it may a, or may not have, it may or may not have, but but yeah. the government should not be involved in large scale venture capital. And and that's what that's what has happened a lot in the green in the green economy mm-hmm. is that now Ford Motor Company on the other hand uh, is not a uh, is not a startup, and um, and and I think that the uh, I think that the uh, Saturn plant I don't think it's called Saturn anymore. Yeah. But the GM plant uh, that originally was the Saturn plant in Spring Hill helped tremendously helped that area of 
of the state uh, tremendously. I think I think you're right. It's generally a very it's it's added to the economic growth yeah. of Murray County. And I, I, I think yeah. when Bredesen back as, in 1990 as, yeah. as mayor as um, as mayor, what Bredesen did was with uh, with Dell was he gave Dell incentives right to uh, to build a big facility here, and part of that was training. That they would that they would train a lot of in, a lot of employees and that the employees would all be would all be local, and so so that um, was sort of a mixed result. Okay, yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying is is that is that the worst you can claim from your perspective is that it was a mixed result because it exists. Solyndra was a disaster. D- Dell mixed result. And, Ford and and would you agree it's, that it's uh, not would venture, you agree but, you that, would you agree on balance the Saturn deal? Oh, yeah, it turned I would, out to I would be agree. good. On balance, it turned out to be good. Okay. Yeah, I right. agree with you there. So, you know, we just, but, so I'm in favor of this Ford deal. And, uh, oh, we got some breaking news. Breaking we'll be right news. back after okay. this. Here we go. Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Lane. 7.17 a.m. Joined on our Newsmaker line by Tommy Lauren of Fox News. Tommy, there's some breaking news just to get your reaction. Former Secretary of State Colin Powell died on Monday this morning at the age of 84 due to complications from COVID-19. The family said that the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has been fully vaccinated and was receiving treatment at Walter Reed National Medical Center. Any comments on that, Tommy? You know, listen, as somebody who kind of grew up seeing Colin Powell all over the TV, especially during the Bush administration, obviously it's tragic you think about his family. And it's just something that I think really hits you, especially when you're an age like mine. I mean, I really grew up seeing him and one of our leaders of the time that I grew up with. So it's incredibly tragic and heartbreaking. And just another reminder that, you know, this pandemic still isn't over. It still needs to be taken seriously. But I'm sure folks are having a lot of questions as well about, Uh, the vaccine and and how this really pertains to everything. It's just a conversation I think is is not going to end anytime soon. Yeah, and our condolences to his family. He was 84. I didn't realize he was that old, but I guess he's been around for a long time, and he had been fully vaccinated, so there's going to be a lot of questions on that. Now, there's other things going on in the country, Tommy. Um, I've been following with great interest uh, this chant, um, Let's Go Brandon. Have you followed that? I think that's the greatest gift we've been giving and given in these nine miserable months of the Biden administration. If there's one thing that I think is keeping everybody going right now and everybody's spirits a little bit higher, it's the Let's Go Brandon chant. Yeah. And now that originally the real the real chant is an expletive aimed at at Joe Biden. And of course, it started when a clever manipulative NBC sports reporter was interviewing a NASCAR driver who just won a race. His name was Brandon. The crowd was chanting expletive Joe Biden. And, and she just turned it all around and said, let's go, Brandon. And it it has sort of backfired on her, hasn't it? Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine being her and knowing that she's kind of the joke of the nation. But I think it is something that it's wonderful for us Trump supporters and us conservatives because we can say that it's not 
not an expletive. And it's kind of just like our little inside joke. And the thing is that some liberals have not caught on to it yet. And we're seeing this sweep the nation on college football, especially SEC football. I saw it the other night at one of the uh, baseball playoff games with people with a Let's Go Brandon sign. I think it's just the greatest gift. We can do it without being, you know, it's something that children can still see, unlike you know, the days of Trump when they were actually using the F word. Uh, now we can just use that. And I think it's a great, clean, wholesome gift that we've been given. I think that's so true, uh, Tommy. Now, tell us, what is on your agenda? What are, the, what are the big things that you're working on right now? Well, I'll tell you this. One thing that I'm really keeping my eye on right now is this border and immigration. As you know, I've spent a lot of time at the border. I've made six trips to the border in various locations. And, you know, now I hear that the Biden administration wants to bring back Remain in Mexico starting in November. I mean, it's back and forth, back and forth. Do they want to secure the border? Do they not want to secure the border? Why do we have those leaked Border Patrol documents that say that they're essentially just releasing them into our country in huge, large numbers, which we already knew, by the way? That's what I'm hyper-focused on right now because I think that would really bring fundamental changes to our nation and, my concern, our voting system. Crime Carmichael has a question for yeah, you, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy, I, I'd be a little bit cautious about the remain in Mexico saying that Biden wants to re-implement it. The courts are forcing him to say he's going to re-implement it. I don't think he will. I think he is simply... No, he's gonna, go ahead. Yeah, you're correct. He's going to use his way to get around it because the court said that, you know, of course, that that policy needs to withstand, but they've already said that they're going to use tricky ways to get around it, which wouldn't surprise me at all. I just think that people take comfort in hearing it's going to be reinstated. I don't believe that it ever will, but our borders are open. You know, I was just on the other night with Judge Janine, and the guest before me was Senator Lindsey Graham, and he was talking about Yuma, Arizona, and Brazilians coming over with fancy luggage and fancy clothes, and now they're trying to come across the border in sizable numbers. So the message has gotten out to the world. If you want to come to the United States, you want to get a free pass and a free ride, come one, come all, and come now because our president is asleep at the wheel. That's a terrifying thought. Tommy, let me ask you, describe what it's like being on the border. What Your most recent trip, what have you noticed? Well, it's just mass chaos, and it's completely different than what we saw under the Trump administration. Obviously, when, when Donald Trump got into office, it was a mess. And I was down there at the kind of early times of the Trump administration when he was figuring everything out. He was implementing zero tolerance policy. Of course, the left was going crazy about that because he was separating families. Well, a lot of people don't understand that those families largely had to be separated for their own good so that you didn't have unaccompanied minors with adults that may or may not even be their relation or their parents or know them whatsoever. But then I saw the policies really come into play, especially remain in Mexico. People that don't understand Remain in Mexico, I'll try to explain it really briefly. When people are coming over and they're spending thousands of dollars, usually tens of thousands of dollars that they're paying to criminal organizations and cartels to get across our border, if they know that they're going to get across and then be sent back to Mexico to wait, that really de-incentivizes that journey and that trip, which is why Remain in Mexico was so popular. But what you have now is you have catch and release. And so when you have catch and release, they're thinking, all right, I'll pay a few thousand dollars to a criminal organization. I'll get into the United States. I'll escape into the shadows. And then in some states, I can get health care and benefits. So, of course, they're coming over. It makes absolute sense. We have created a magnet, and it's not going to end anytime soon. When you go down to the border, now, where did you go most recently? Was it the McAllen area, the Yuma area? Where did you go? 
most recently I was in Arizona and I've spent some time in McAllen. I've spent a lot of time in Arizona and I spent some time in San Diego. East What's Arizona the border location in Arizona where you were, Tommy? Was it Yuma? Uh, I was in the Tucson area, Nogales. Oh, Nogales. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an area that uh, I think the guy that heads up the border uh, patrol group uh, is, is based in the Nogales area. When do you go down there? Are you concerned for your physical safety? I never have been because every trip I've ever taken has been with Border Patrol. However, this recent trip that I took, I was not accompanied by Border Patrol because the Biden administration has kind of put somewhat of a gag order on our Border Patrol agents and doesn't allow them to spend a lot of time talking to media, especially media with an FOX on it. (laughs) So I was actually having to go and spend time with ranchers and community members and the Border Patrol Council because the actual agents weren't available and at our disposal as they were during the Trump administration. So it is. And, I'm, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with ranchers in that area who are saying, you know, we're having people come over. They're staying on our land. This was when it was a little colder outside. At nighttime, they were starting fires on these ranchers' properties, cutting their fences, sabotaging their water. I mean, this is something that they've dealt with being in a border state and a border community for many, many years. But now, because Border Patrol is stretched so thin, they're unable to respond to these ranchers and these landowners because they're having to babysit these unaccompanied minors. So that leaves a huge national security concern for not only the people on the border, but because of the Biden administration, we've all become a border state. What about the security for those ranchers? I mean, if you've got a ranch on the border, I mean, do you have any control over your private property or is it basically being violated at every moment by these illegal immigrants? It's completely violated, and it's on a daily basis, and they're cutting wire and cutting fences, and that's something these ranchers have to deal with. It's their livelihood. You know, they already went through the pandemic, which is a hard time, and now they're having to safeguard their land. I mean, they've got thousands and thousands of acres. It's not easy for them to have to go around and make sure that their fences are all up because these illegal immigrants are cutting their fences. But then let's also keep in mind that a lot of these illegal immigrants coming over, they're felons and they're criminals. And they've got these people in their backyards. They've got these people that are brazen, that are using their barns, using their lands, coming up to their homes and knocking on their doors and demanding resources. That's the environment that we've created right now. And, you know, we already know that we've defunded law enforcement, demoralized law enforcement, certainly overstressed Border Patrol. So the really who's the, the loser in all this is those people in those border towns who are really having to protect and defend themselves. What are the ranchers that you talk to who are in these circumstances? What do they think about the United States government right now? They are furious, and I'll tell you another reason why. I spent some time and saw it firsthand. There are pieces of the border wall that are sitting there stacked up and machinery that's sitting there that's locked up but still sitting there rusting away. That's equipment and materials that the American taxpayer has already paid for to fill the gaps of that wall. But because the Biden administration wants to come in and virtue signal, that equipment and those materials are just sitting there, even though they've already been paid for and not being constructed as a part of that border wall that was so effective, especially for these ranchers and landowners. And that makes them furious. And it should make the American taxpayer furious. We've already paid for it, but it's sitting there resting away Thanks to Sleepy Joe. Well, Tommy Larian with Fox News, thanks so much for giving us that first-hand report of what's going on the border. And be safe and be careful. And we'll be praying for you when next time you go down.
Thank you, guys. Bless you. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. Tommy Laren. Oh, that was a, a great interview. Very insightful. Crime, when we come back, we'll have more on some what's going on here in Tennessee. This is the Tennessee Star Report. He's Crom Carmichael. I'm Michael Patrick Leahy. Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Leahy. 7.33 a.m. in studio with me is the original All-Star panelist, Crom Carmichael. Crom, uh, the breaking news that we just heard is that uh, former Secretary of State Colin Powell has died of complications from COVID at the age of 84. He had been fully vaccinated. He died early this morning. We have a special report from Fox News on it. Colin Powell broke through barriers as National Security Advisor, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Secretary of State. Born in New York's Harlem to Jamaican immigrants, Powell spent 35 years in the Army, including two tours in Vietnam, and rose to the rank of four-star general. He was National Security Advisor for Ronald Reagan. Then, as Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he oversaw Operation Desert Storm against Iraq for George H.W. Bush. A decade later, as Secretary of State under President George W. Bush in the aftermath of the 9-11 attack, Powell was instrumental in making the case for invading Iraq, telling the U.N. Security Council, What we know comes largely from intercepted communications and human sources who are in a position to know the facts. Iraq's procurement efforts include equipment that can filter and separate microorganisms and toxins involved in biological weapons. He later admitted he was wrong, that Saddam Hussein did not have weapons of mass destruction. Powell was also called upon to defend the Bush administration's enhanced interrogation methods. All I know is that the president has made it clear, and it has always been uh, uh, my position as well, and a uh, code that I live with for 35 years and four months that we don't torture people. A recipient of the Purple Heart and Bronze Star, Colin Powell was also a vintage car enthusiast. He restored old Volvos and Saabs as a hobby. Grinnell Scott, Fox News Radio. Well, Colin Powell, dead of uh, complications from COVID at the age of 84. You know, Colin Powell was a, a very, very high-profile uh, uh, member of the Reagan administration first mm-hmm. national security advisor mm-hmm. that is a pretty big deal i would say of of people who who were involved in the in the political world and i'm going to include <clears throat> the military part of it in washington mm-hmm. is that i can't think of any <clears throat> anybody who's had a longer public mm-hmm. career in terms of being being um well-known and yeah. whose views were were sought and uh, and he you know he 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 flipped from the republican he called himself a republican uh but he was for Barack Obama i think he was for Hillary Clinton i think so too and Joe Biden and uh, and Joe Biden and so so uh um i think that Colin Powell's um uh, it's hard to say exactly where he stood I think that the fact that he um, supported uh, uh, Bush's uh, desire to dethrone mm-hmm. um, Saddam, Saddam Hussein. Hussein, I think that's a you know that when you look back now, apparently the testimony that he gave, he admits that he was wrong. He says that the that the intelligence that he relied upon 
was was not ultimately reliable in essence that's what he said yeah and yeah. but but that he honestly made that representation yeah. Yeah. believing it was reliable but, but but I want to go back to your point on on the arc of his career so you know he's a very a, a very charismatic guy mm-hmm. very uh, but a very controlled guy mm-hmm. right very cautious in his statements and 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 you know very considered very uh, how, how should I say sort of uh, I think he, you could see a guy. He was always thinking of what the the, the long term strategy was of every statement. But if you back, go back to this visibility, national security advisor under uh, Ronald Reagan, that's a big deal. Yep. Then chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for George H. W. Bush at the time of the first Iraq War, which in retrospect was a successful military operation at that time they they did not uh you know go in and take over iraq uh, uh and some people said they should have some people said they didn't probably was the right choice well, at that time it was interesting because joe that. biden as a senator yeah. opposed what george hw bush did in and, stopping and, and no <clears throat> he opposed the original the original invasion the original uh uh, uh invasion and then after Bush stopped, yeah, short of of taking taking, over the, taking over the country, Biden complained that he should go ahead and take over the country. So he was wrong on both counts. Joe Biden has been wrong on every single major foreign policy issue for half a century. But it's interesting because Colin Powell since since about two thousand and eight, yeah, when he came out in favor of uh, Barack, Barack Obama, Obama, yeah. Um, he's, you know, his, his, uh, he's, he's, his star has risen uh, with the media because he was a Republican who was for four straight Democrats. Yeah. Now that's interesting because I, we talked about. Uh, at, at what point, Michael, do you become a Democrat? I mean, I mean or, or let me just say, let's switch it and say you're a Democrat and you support four straight Republican candidates. At what point does the media say you're no longer a Democrat? You're now a Republican. Yeah. So at what point do you does well, that does that happen? You, you could say and in, in Colin in, Powell's case it never did. Yeah, in, in this particular case you could say Colin Powell blazed the way for Bill Crystal. <laughs> well Yeah, but Bill Crystal right. nobody cares what Bill I know. What but, Bill Crystal thinks, but <clears throat> Colin Powell's opinions were Widely sought, widely sought out. Up, up until, I mean, for for me, that's why I say that of all the people involved in 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 military type discussions, mm-hmm. Colin Powell lasted longer. He absolutely his opinions he was, were sought for forty years. For forty years, from yeah. from the nineteen eighties. Whether they were right or wrong, yeah, I'm not, but they I'm were not sought. To get into whether they were right or wrong, but because, his opinions were always very measured, very, but but not necessarily. Uh, of course, his later political opinions were, you know, just pro-Democrat is, is the reality of it. But what's interesting about Colin Powell is I think he fit very well in Bushland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think he was he fit very well in Washington. He fit very well in Washington yeah. as well. Um, so he goes. It, it, the career is meteoric. The career is meteoric. It goes from uh, uh, national security advisor. Uh, I mean, he had a great military career. Moved up. Two tours in Vietnam, um, 
Although I don't think he saw much in the way of action when he was. Well, there. he got a Purple Heart. He so, did. Well, so, he did must have saw so some. He, yeah, yeah. He, he saw some action. I stand corrected. Yeah. And then um, um, he um, uh, uh, went from National Security Advisor, Joint Chief, Chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of State. Now that is a that is a meteoric rise. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2008, there was much speculation that he would run for president as a Republican. Uh, but his wife didn't want him to do that. Well, I remember when he was on Jay Leno, mm-hmm. and Jay Leno was was encouraging him to run for president. Right. And and uh, and he asked him how he would fix the health care system. And Colin Powell says, I've spent my life in the military. I have no idea how to fix the health care system. And Jay, Jay Leno's response was, well, this is why we need you to be president. We have somebody who is ref- who refresh who is refreshing in that they admit they don't know know something. <laughs> and that I just I found that to be kind of a an interesting Well he had great he had great press. Yeah. The 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 press was reverential, I think, in their he, treatment of him. He did a lot of speeches on leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean he was he was there were four or five uh people who would go around the country doing these speeches to audience huge audiences. Mm-hmm. On leadership, and I right. thought, and those speeches were were very, very good and very well received. Very well received. But you know, so I think really he came out of Bushland. He was, I would say, strategic and calculating in his own career moves. And I, although I wasn't that surprised when he endorsed Barack Obama in two thousand eight, uh, because you know, strategically, I think he looked at it and said, "What's what's the best way for me to kind of." Keep keep the aura that I have uh, in the mainstream press, mm-hmm. and I think that was his calculation mm-hmm. at the time. Yep, at least part of it. Yep, right. And uh, but then he, so he endorses Barack Obama in two thousand eight, two thousand twelve. Hillary Clinton says he voted for her in two thousand sixteen and was proactively for Joe Biden. Right now, no, what nobody ever asked him, and I think he'd become ill by this time. What was your take? On the debacle in Afghanistan. Well, he was ill. Yeah, he, he was clearly and and um, you know it's 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 he was in the arena. Let's let's say this. That was a man it in is, the arena. It is, it is difficult to have been in the arena for forty years mm-hmm. and have an impeccable. I mean, to to you know to be right on everything, it's just not possible. Yeah, you're not going to be in the arena for forty years and be and be right on everything. And and you know as as and he you know he said. The information that I was given uh, led me to support the invasion uh, of Iraq and the overthrow of Saddam Hussein. And, you know, that that just shows you, you know, where did he get the information? Uh, A very good point. Did he get the information from our from our CIA? Well, he had to have gotten it. I would say that would be where at least in part in part from from the CIA. One other little thing to throw out fully vaccinated. That was that's interesting. Fully vaccinated, dies yep. of COVID. Probably got monoclonal antibodies as well. I would guess they didn't say that. Anyways, we we're we're sorry to hear of his yep. passing. Yeah, and uh, a great American, very, very interesting guy, uh, historical figure. Yep. When we come back, it will be time for news potpourri. This is the Tennessee Star Report. He's Crom Carmichael. I'm Michael Patrick Lee.
Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Lane. And welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report. It's 7.51 a.m. That means it's time for News Potpourri. Yes, Michael, it's that time in the program for little tidbits that are not do not merit a full segment, but are worth mentioning because they have... A touch of irony. Yes. <laughs> this one is one... <laughs> In in 2018, the Bush uh, the Trump administration withdrew from the Council on Human Rights, uh, uh, and um, uh, Biden has just rejoined the Council, uh, even though they have even though they just uh, came out with uh, with a huge uh, anti-Semitic uh, statement. Yeah, so, it's so, the Council of Not Human Rights. So basically. so it's it's yeah. really really quite something. George Soros. Now this is interesting. In Austin, Texas, there's a referendum. Soros has been investing mega dollars in Austin, Texas, trying to essentially destroy their fine city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and they've defunded the police. He's mm-hmm. put a bunch of people on the city council. Their schools are terrible. Uh, their prosecutor is weak. Uh, but there's a referendum uh, that requires the city to employ two police officers per 1,000 residents. Now, that's an interesting that is a very interesting referendum because as the city grows, the city will be required to increase. Its I like the thinking behind re- that. Incre- and, and Soros, see how that plays out. Soros is, 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 is putting $500,000 in an effort to, to stop that referendum from passing. What a shock. Yes. <laughs> the head of the Chicago Police Union, and I don't know, Michael, maybe you can update us on what happened in Chicago over the weekend or whether it's today, but the head of the Chicago Police Union is calling for officers to defy uh, Mayor uh, Lightfoot's uh, demands and her commands. Now, here's what's interesting. When when uh, teachers refused to go back to work for whatever their reason was, the media held them up as as as, as civil rights protesters. Now it looks like that the uh, that the police in Chicago uh, may be calling in sick. And um, and and the reports I saw at the end of last week is that they might have uh, a force reduction of fifty thousand, excuse me, fifty percent of the police officers in Chicago. A judge on Friday evening issued a gag order against that police union uh, leader. Interesting. Said so the poli- he can't speak out against the vaccine mandate. So the teachers unions, not only in Chicago, not only can they speak out against it, they don't have to comply with right. it. Right. But the police union, oh yeah, they can't say anything. And Lori Lightfoot can continue to say whatever she wants to. So that's really quite interesting. Uh-huh. Walgreens has closed five more stores in in San Francisco, claiming that there's now an organized retail crime ring where people just go into Walmart with a shopping basket and a calculator and steal steal just short of $950 worth of product and then walk out of the store. And so Walgreens has closed is closing five more stores. Well, they can send their thank you notes to George Soros, who's promoting prosecutors who are uh, uh, basically said they're not going to prosecute any theft for under $900. And, of course, these people, these criminals aren't stupid. I think it was actually a state law. Well, the- I think there was actually a law passed, $950 is a mis less than that is a misdemeanor. Another reason to leave. Well, a misdemeanor now not being prosecuted. Right. Yeah. So, but I'm just I'm saying so they just go in and they just with a calculator. Well, if you and are they just walk around. If and you they, are an intelligent criminal. Yeah. The, the, it's the logical thing to do. Sure. Nine hundred dollars. Steal nine hundred dollars a day is a lot of money. Uh, from and then they take it and recycle it. 
And the consequence is going to be, if I'm Walgreens, I'm getting out. And why would any retailer stay in San Francisco? It'll be interesting to see what happens as time goes on. Here's a D.C., uh, a Washington, D.C. city council member who claims that Jews control the weather. Now, this this is a great affront to the climate change people because now... (laughs) Now you have now you have Trey White Sr., a Democrat, <clears throat> the second city council member this week to throw his hat in the mayoral race, uh, has has claimed that Jewish bankers control the weather. The, I look, didn't, no, we I have didn't rampant anti-Semitism in America. Yes. And it's in the Democratic Party. Oh, yes. The, the, it's anti-Semitism. Oh, yes. It's there everywhere. But now now they control the weather. Uh-huh. I, I, I thought they control the media. Now they actually control the Thank the you, weather. Thank you, candidate oh, Trey White. Oh my goodness gracious! Now DC. this is this is now a story where multiple cities that defunded their police. Now the city councils are now trying to refund, re, stop the defund, stop the defund, and, and to yeah. to increase it. But the problem is that the mandates, the Biden mandates, are counter counterproductive. Are ca- counterproductive. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, it's all intentional. Yes, they want to now, destroy our society. Now, I mentioned this the other day that Mayor Pete Buttigieg of, yeah. of South Bend, anybody who criticizes him as a person who is unaccomplished, I know South Bend because yeah. I go there a lot. My family, yeah. I, yeah, I've been around South Bend a lot. He reordered eight city blocks and put in two roundabouts. So anybody who says that he doesn't <laughs> understand transportation, let me just tell you, eight city blocks and two roundabouts, isn't that enough for you? Yeah. Food shortages are now are now popping up in school lunch programs mm-hmm. because of the supply chain problem. Mayor Pete Mayor Pete has nowhere to be seen. Well, he's on, on two months on of that issue. And then. finally, and finally, New York City has canceled their accelerated learning program for gifted kids. Well, of course, that is so sad. Yeah. That is really Crom. Another great day here. And uh, up next, Glenn Beck playing Buck at eleven o'clock. I'll be back tomorrow. At 5 o'clock, this is the Tennessee Star Report. I'm Michael Patrick Lee. Have a great day. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.